Hello and welcome back to the Big Picture Podcast, the podcast where we discuss movies, shows and games and then each of our panel pitches their big idea in order to be crowned this week's Big Picture Champion. So, let's see who we have joined us today. Our first pitcher not only has the eye of the tiger, but thanks to a history of underground animal cage matches, he also has his head on his wall as well. He did his time, took his chances, and now he's rising up to challenge of his rivals. It's Lewis. How are you doing today? <laughs> not very well, if I'm on a fucking wall. <laughs> That's quite an intro, Stuart. I appreciate that, but no, to answer your question, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of lyrics that I had to transcribe for these intros. You know, I had to sift through a lot, but uh, we do what we can. Just like you going up against literal animals in a cage to the death. Yeah, the Similar. YouTube channel coming to big picture. Don't tell Peter. Yep, don't tell him at all. Um, or uh, Warner Brothers, they might. I don't know. <laughs> the, mu- the music, they might, they might uh, strike us. But yeah, good to have you. Next up. We have a man with a simple heart and a simple mind. The only thing he asks is that you don't forget about him. Don't, 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 don't. It's Reese, everybody. How are you? Don't you forget about me. That's a great song. I'm glad that that was my song. <laughs> You're welcome. I, do you know what? I really struggled. I was like, I don't know what Reese actually likes like in terms of music or, or film but you know and I really couldn't I really couldn't go with any of those uh, uh, chants that we were talking about before we started recording. You really exposed the fact that we're the Phoebe and Chandler of the group. Yep. Which one's Phoebe? Uh, me because I'm way cooler. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And last but not least we have the romantic of the group. He don't need money. He don't take fame. And he don't need no credit card to ride this train. <laughs> Welcome back, Jack. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I, I think the 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 romantic is probably the, the, the wrong choice to make, considering I'm the single one out of everyone. But it's fine. I appreciate the the, the gesture and obviously paying paying homage to my one of my favourite movies of all time. So thank you. No, 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 Jack. No, no, no. You are the romantic. We we've all settled, mate. All right. You you take. You you're just one that you're chasing that you're the Ted Mosby of the group you're just chasing that you know you you know how it's going to end you know what you know what you're going to end up and you need to get to that regardless of um, how upset all the fans will be. That's just the power I love. Yeah. Uh, oh, excellent! I oh. would uh, say uh, an excellent line from Stuart here saying that we've all settled only uh, a handful of days after he recently got engaged. So <laughs> congratulations, yeah. to Stuart. Yeah. Oh, thank you. What can only be described as the world's shortest engagement. So congratulations. <laughs> well, it was I was either one of the shortest or the longest. You know, I'll take days or twelve years, nothing in between. <laughs> that is true. Did get engaged. I was sick of you guys calling me a simp, and I went, Do you know what? I'll show them. I'll buy her a ring. <laughs> Did she not buy your ring? Did she not buy your ring? You're not wearing the ring, no. No. No, what she actually said was once she got the ring was that is it, I'm off the market. And I was like, You've been off the market for five years. What, what's going on? I don't did she ever, that. Did she ever listen to the episode where where there was about a twenty minute segment where everyone was slating her? Funnily enough, no she didn't. <laughs> okay. I should that should have been the proposal. I should have just like I should have got down on one knee and she should have listened to that. But uh, but yes, apparently we are swingers. You know, I've been missing. I thought it was a bowl of keys, but obviously not. 
<laughs> but uh, yes, that is everyone. And sadly, you did hear me right, folks. That is everyone because our fifth member, your people's champion, has decided that he's already got what he wanted out of you, your votes. And now he doesn't even have to show up anymore. So that's right. Adam is currently whining and dining on your votes down in London right now. I had a whole Venom M&M rap planned and he's completely gone, ruined my day, which is why I say to you that you should never meet your heroes and also that you guys should just vote for Jack in the next poll because he's the only member of the podcast not to skip a day. Thank you. You so, never missed one episode, Jack. I've not missed one one of these shit episodes. Sad. <laughs> 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 we can't get out of this these quick enough, by the way. He's like he actively planned stuff whilst we're whilst we're recording. And he's like, Oh by the way, I need to go like in fifteen minutes I said I'd be playing golf. <laughs> that actually does happen most weeks. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change, so Oh, we, do need, we do need to finish an hour so you can watch the football. Well, quick pitches. Uh, anyway, uh, the show must go on, and what a show it is! Because in case all the musical introductions didn't give it away, we are talking about movie theme songs. Specifically, what is the definitive movie theme song? Now, we all really love a good song to show up in a film, and you know, really get us going. And we don't mean like in a musical where they're all singing, all dancing all the time. No, we mean that song, the song when you're watching a movie and then out of nowhere, you know, it plays. I'm talking Ray Parker Jr. telling us who we're going to call in Ghostbusters or Whitney Houston chopping some onions with I Will Always Love You and the Bodyguards. So now we know what we're talking about. I'm going to come to Reese first. I will ask you, what makes a movie theme song for you? Right. It's a great question. I think the most important thing for a movie song for me is that it needs to mirror the film that it's going up against. So, um, like a good example that you just gave there is um, "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. Perfectly encapsulates what the Bodyguard is as a film, and uh, you know, it shows the the emotion and the montage that goes through it. Um, and the music video is also great. It just shows you how she truly feels towards her bodyguards by the end of the film, of course. Um, it, it slowly gets to this just grand crescendo of just a big belting out of I will always love you. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just a fantastic example of how the song perfectly mirrors the film. And that, for me, is what makes the perfect movie theme song. Yep, because me and you, we know Reese. We know that Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston you know, they won't always be together, but they will always love each other. And that's... I've never seen the film. This is, this is what somebody <laughs> described to me, by the way. I've only seen the... I've only caught the end of it with the run off the plane, and I genuinely thought, like, she'd actually forgotten a bag or something like that, but then I was like, oh, all right, okay. So I feel like I know enough about The Bodyguard now to actually make that that analogy. But uh, what about you, Jack? What do you look for in a movie theme song? I just... I need... For my, my theme song, I need, I need it to be so that when I... When I listen to the song, I'm not like, oh, that's that's so that so and so song. I need to be, oh, that that song is in that film, blah blah. blah for example, when I hear "Lust for Life," I just think of train spotting. But it's probably because it's also that kind of mirroring factor that Reese was on about as well, because there is like they're kind of chasing their like whatever they want their life to be, get like chasing that high type thing with that. It's just whenever I whenever I hear the song, I I need it to make me think of the movie. So like. Just having random bits of music in and about kind of doesn't do it for me. But if there's that one 
big thing that just makes me think, oh fuck, I'm always going to connect that song to that film. That's that's exactly what I'm the theme song should be. So what we're both looking at is uh, big thematic relevance, but also, you know, something that defines it. Something that, like, really, whenever you hear that song again, you instantly connect the dots there. Lewis, what about you? What's your criteria for a really good theme song? I was thinking about this earlier, and one thing that I particularly enjoy when it comes to movies theme songs is when they act almost like a garnish to the final of a meal. When everything's been set up and then that music hits and it's just like, boom, it just gives that extra bit of flavour. Pizzazz, jazz hands, insert any theatrical reference I can think of. And a few that come to mind is, um, I don't know why it was the first one, but it was Bad to the Bone with Terminator. When Terminator arrives and that, that guitar riff hits, he's in the bar. Oh, it just, yes, there's better theme songs, I guess, more recognisable ones. But for me, it's when a music adds that little bit extra and really ramps up a scene. Is, uh, is what I really look for. That song, whenever I hear it, always just reminds me that I can't pop sunglasses just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so it <laughs> makes me makes me sad. But it is a I don't great know, song I think if you compare yourself to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you'll find yourself falling short in some capacity, capacity often, including ability to speak, apparently. Well, I haven't cheated on my wife, so, you know, so far I've got that going for me. So far. Know. Working on it. Working on it. <laughs> 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 well, she's just... Really hope she doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you guys. Call her a told... swinger and say you put a tent next to Listen, she, she, if I'd have known about the market thing, all right, <laughs> right. You know, I feel like that would have been a good thing to, you know, at least, you know, five years. I just would have liked, you know, uh, uh, you know, something, heads up, calling cards, anything, all right. I get nothing. It's like Adam should go down to London. Doesn't tell us till he's there. That's a good point, actually. You know, you guys, I got slated for making plans while there's recordings. Adam went, he's gone away down to London and he didn't tell us until he was there. Disgraceful. Ah, he's under the thumb. He's uh, well, under the thumb. He's, he's under, under the thumb. thumb. <laughs> what, what's he going to do next? Propose? What an idiot. This episode's gone off the rails so quickly, so yeah. fast. Yeah. Uh, what we're Very talking much. about uh, uh, movie theme songs <laughs> so you guys have kind of told us uh, what you like to expect from a song in a movie but these types of songs they usually come in the form of a licensed song that already exists prior to the movie or it's an original song that's com- been completely made for that movie Jack which do you prefer a licensed song or an original song um, I think contradictory to what my my pitch will be later on. I prefer original. I I, I prefer a good original. Like the, the the one I've picked later on. This is something that is it's, it's pretty iconic for me and what that's kind of done in particular media and whatnot today. But like for example, see like the Toy Story soundtrack, and then you've got like the old Tarzan and Brother Bear. That's all like original composition, and the 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 themes when you get from that is like that's just work of art, and that is something that totally signifies what the films are because the, the the music is written for the purpose of that. So I feel that's I, I probably get better enjoyment out of that. Jack, do you know you you're the biggest ABBA fan here? This is why I'm asking you. Were the songs written for the film, or were the did the film incorporate the songs for like Mamma Mia? 
they felt incorporated the songs. Oh, there we go. You didn't get that from like whenever they really have to put those really like they kind of have to segue into the songs in a really weird way. Like <laughs> I can only remember like does your mother know? And is it not like some guy like hitting on hitting on one of like the the mothers or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? Right. That would have been more impressive if it, if it had been written just for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lewis, what about yourself? Jack saying that he prefers an original song. What about you? You the same? Do you agree? Yeah, I think generally speaking, original music is better because it's written for a purpose. Not just when you you hear Phil Collins going absolutely ham on every Disney movie in the mid nineties. <laughs> But even things like the orchestric music for like Lord of the Rings, you know, Star Wars and all that kind of stuff, they're purposely designed to invoke the emotion of the scene. It was just one of the things I particularly enjoy about how music gets used. It's not necessarily as a crutch, but more as a little uh, an emphasis for the for the emotion. So I I do agree with Jack. I prefer original, but let's face it, there's some licensed songs that just hit perfectly too. Maybe too many. If uh... 2016 Suicide Squad is to uh, take into account, you know, they couldn't just use one. Either had that, yeah. a, so- a song a minute in that film. <laughs> yeah, or a song every 20 seconds for the trailer. There is something that I think has become a bit overplayed, and this is maybe something for another day, but the use of licensed music for trailers as a sort of like, I don't know, a forgiving aspect of the trailer. So it can be absolutely shite, but because the, the song was good and it was kind of matched to it, like some Cod trick shot mixtape from 2011. Everybody's willing to forgive it. I blame Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's probably actually a fair point considering how well they did it with the music, but I guess that shows the difference of execution versus Suicide that's, Squad. That's an interesting point though, because I don't know because you're right. Like it is, it is really noticeable now, and um, the difference is people again and I, I, i'm assuming it's executives that are taking note of the success of something like guardians of the galaxy and they think oh it's because all this music's in it but the likes of like guardians of the galaxy and the likes of baby driver music's written in from the very beginning like those directors know exactly the kind of story they want to tell and the kind of music that goes along with it because it's all it's all linked in so to kind of touch on, to stay with that topic, Reese, do you think movies are relying too heavily on licensed music these days? Yeah, well, I certainly think yes, but I also think that there's no other option. I don't think you could... <clears throat> the way that films are going right now is that... And I put an article into the chat the other day um, for the boys to read. It was about how music's trans- uh, sorry, films are transitioning from being all about the... Uh, the actor to now being about the character. So you see a lot more superhero movies and anyone can play that character. You can't write an absolute banger for a superhero film. It just it doesn't work because it, it's not really... There's, there's not the same emotion that you get in, in, in a film like The Great Gatsby or the bodyguard or anything like that where the the soundtrack really is written for this the film and the emotions come out for that so you see uh, a lot of uh films these days where they, they do use licensed music and there's definitely room for it quentin tarantino is phenomenal at needle drop where he puts us a, a, a needle drop sorry for anyone who doesn't know is where you put a song in a film that the song has absolutely no relevance to the film, but it, it, it takes up the whole scene. And 
the perfect example of that is in Reservoir Dogs, where he plays stuck in the middle with you, and it, it just it's it's just a magic scene. It's a magic, one of the most uh, memorable scenes in the uh, in the film, and the song completely makes it, and it has no relevance to the to the film. So there's scope for using them in these kind of films uh, that we have nowadays. But uh, I can see that Lewis has put put his hand up three times here, <laughs> so he clearly disagrees with me. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say. No, I, you know, I actually agree with majority of your point. It's just when you're saying that original music can't be written for heroes. Uh, Chad Kroger, hero for Spider Man. I just uh, said that's exactly what I was going to say. Wait, we talking Nickelback for Spider Man? Is that what we're saying? No, 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 not Nickelback. Chad Kroger. Oh, right, sorry. Get it right. There's a difference, <laughs> Reese. Come on, do the homework. <laughs> sorry. Um, there's scope for it, but it's it's more difficult. Well, because see, the thing is, um, I don't know if I don't know if you guys know, but I remember there was an interview with Quentin Tarantino, and he said the very first thing. I'll tell you what it actually was. It was the Inglorious Bastards soundtrack had like a, a little introduction from him, and this he says the first thing that he does before he writes a film, and he's he doesn't write many. Like he's very kind of like sparse with his films he, he wants to do his 10 films and get out but the very first thing he does is go and listen to all his records that's his process so the music kind of fuels that process and then be, the forms kind of like you know the backbone or a very a significant portion of that film so yeah. i listened to that interview and he, he said um so he says that he listens to the he puts on a soundtrack uh so he, he gets a bunch of different albums that he thinks would encapsulate the theme of that film. And so he, he listens to all these albums and then he highlights the perfect songs that would match the films. And and I think that's the right way to go about putting licensed songs into your, your movies, other than in Suicide Squad, it's got an absolutely fantastic soundtrack in terms of the quality of the songs, but the execution of how they're put into the film is just so poor because they don't actually fit the theme of the the movie so uh, yeah there's definitely scope for licensed songs in movies uh, but the execution needs to be done to a Tarantino or James Gunn level. I agree um, the, the thing about with Suicide Squad is that's very f- infamously was uh, all edited by a trailer company that, that specifically makes movie trailers and something I've noticed happen quite a lot now is that a song will feature in a movie but before it's even out it shows up in the trailers and it's either a new version of the song or it's the same song, but it's used in every single trailer. And I, I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on that, Jack. Is that, is that a kind of, is, do you think that's a good marketing technique or do you think it backfires more often than not? I would, I would probably say it, it's, it is a good marketing technique. Cause like you, you could say like, for example, it, it wasn't on the soundtrack, but for the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, it was hooked in a feeling. And then when that when that came out, like, I'm pretty sure that song went like way way up the charts at that point because of the hype for the trailer and the film. So I think I think it, it for a market says it does work, but I, I I think it maybe maybe it worked best for that. I don't know how well it has worked for other films, as you say, like Suicide Squad, for example. But I, on on the basis of what Guardians of the Galaxy would do, and I feel it most certainly worked, and I definitely think there's they left a a blueprint for it to to potentially work in the future. Lewis, what about you? Can this ruin the song for you? Would you rather keep it separate from the trailers? If you know if it is the song 
that I hadn't spoken to stick with Jack's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, in Volume Two, a big, the big song in that is uh, the Chain by Fleetwood Mac. But what James Gunn does is he uses the like end guitar riff for the trailer, but keeps like the lyric, the lyrical bit, the start of the song for the film. So, do you think that's a better thing? Or would you rather the songs left alone? I think this kind of comes down to the Tarantino point that Reese brought up is, is that if if the music is intertwined into the story and serves that purpose, when it comes to the trailer, when you're editing that, because really, like, the trailer's just being edited, but a version of the film is kind of highlight reel, that same sort of execution of putting it into the script should shine into the the, the trailer as well. So in certain accents, like Gardens of the Galaxy, it works well. But I think it also has to do with the artists and music itself, their legacy as much as it is the film. Like, a Suicide Squad is the easiest one to keep picking on, but they used Queen. No offense, I'm never going to associate Queen with Suicide Squad because Queen is in a whole in league of their own. The same way that I don't like, um, you could be mine is used in Terminator 2 and chasing one of the best action films there is. But I don't associate you could be mine with Terminator because I associate Guns N' Roses and Guns N' Roses are in league of their own. But in the same vein. Something like the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, a lot of that music has kind of been lost in time. They just reinvigorated for a new audience that maybe never would have listened to it previously. And then through marketing and power of association, because we love capitalism in this fucking world, everybody associates that good feeling of that trailer and that action, that film you want to see with the song. And therefore, you link the two things together and you like both. I think that the, especially if I remember right with Suicide Squad, the, the trailer was the Queen version of Bohemian Rhapsody but when the actual soundtrack got released it was Panic at the Disco's version of Bohemian Rhapsody so like there was misappropriation in the song maybe to then what we actually got final in the final product because then in the, the even in the film like at the end the end scenes it was the Bohemian Rhapsody version so it was as if they kind of just used the Queen's version and you said just for the trailer not only that Be- Lewis let's not forget Suicide Squad won an Oscar Guardians yeah, of Galaxy, no, no Oscars. <laughs> so, you know, some, somebody's doing something right. Not really. If you, if you can say fucking Suicide Squad won an Oscar, I don't think anybody's doing anything right. Will Smith, everyone. Will Smith. Only needed the one. They only needed the one. And that's why Reese keeps coming out with the Oscars. And I'm like, Reese, the game won Suicide Squad. I don't care. It's ruined. It's ruined the Oscars. Maybe a topic for another day. Big picture and awards. How to fix them. More Oscars for Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, personally, I think this is a problem. I think that trailers get too hung up on the music. And I feel like as people have said, made comparisons to like Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, Suicide Squad trailer, it's becoming it's becoming a problem, I think, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Would you agree or disagree with that, Reese? I think that the songs you use in a trailer are almost more important than the songs you use in the film because the trailer is essentially what grabs in viewers who maybe wouldn't have watched it. And I think that for that reason you do need to have absolute bangers in the trailer. And I think that it's definitely a problem. Well, it's not a, not a problem for me, but it's a problem for you, Stuart, that's never going to go away. And I have enough I problems to deal with. Like interrupting Lewis. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing as well is that with the world that we're in now, the importance of going viral and having views, if you have something that's noticeable in 
clicky and punchy kind of like i know i made the joke earlier it is like trailers now are basically becoming almost like trick shot montages from call of duty in the mid 2010s like they're becoming like trying to be viral trying to get clippable for twitter and instagram and so on and so forth ironic coming from a podcast but it's still it's becoming a problem because one the actual essence of the good of the film gets lost and the other thing is i miss the movie narrator guy like in a world where pain is a bad <laughs> like i want that guy back bring that back who left the fridge open <laughs> what, hey, what those scorchers the scorcher films from oh again I, I went off i went off the suicide squad go bring it back mate go bring it back they did bring it back it's out just now <laughs> Zooming out. And do you know what? That surprisingly, there's not actually that much music in it, but it opens with a Johnny Cash song, and it is appropriate. Because another thing I hate about Suicide Squad is <laughs> the, the songs are so wrong for the scene because it opens up in a prison in Louisiana, like oh, the House of the Rising Sun. It has got nothing to do with prison. It's just because it's kind of the same. Like you know, it's, it's stupid. You think they were just trying to be Tarantino and just like trying to throw in the music to make it seem like it was more powerful than it actually was i don't, I don't even know i all i know is they went for the oscar and they got it lewis that's just that they just needed the one back on track again <laughs> this is this is what happens when adam goes all right adam's got some a lot of explaining to do um adam is uh, our moral anchor he is which is surprised <laughs> which is surprising if you've ever met adam <laughs> You really are. Jack did not buy that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I I, I couldn't like feign feign like kind of. I was gonna say interest for that. I couldn't. I couldn't keep up appearances for that. So. What does feign and interest sound like? Who knows? Anyway. I was getting lost. I'm old up, Stuart. Apologies. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Usually, you either get licensed or original songs as we said but there is another type which is a cover of an already existing song such as the absolutely fantastic cover of holding out for a hero in shrek 2 or the slow haunting version of smells like teen spirit and black widow and i love it when like they take a really serious take on a song that has absolutely nonsense lyrics such as uh, smells like teen spirit but it works so Lewis, I'll I'll come back to you. What is your opinion on this? Are covers of existing songs are they kind of like cheating? Is that kind of unfair to have them? To a degree, yes. I can. I think it kind of touches on the the virality moment of the film, so to speak. But in my opinion, if it is done with the essence of the character, that also ties it like that serves a purpose. Then I'm totally cool with it. And I think the best example of that, ironically, is Shrek Two because you have both sides of the coin are being addressed by the same song is the motivations are different for each person and i like it, it works in the essence of the character because of who she is what she wants and how vindictive she's been it works and as long as it's kind of done like that sense cool aside from that if it's just a cover for the sake of like hey we don't want to pay the license fee so we'll just have someone else do it and it just like it's thrown in there nah i, I just i like my music to act as a purpose for the scene and then in the atmosphere and if it's not doing that get it though out of the film. Reese, you are you're somebody that really really likes more you like to go beneath the surface on 
music you like to look at the the meaning of lyrics and you know artists that come up with that the, the first version of that song obviously have a very specific view and they know what the meaning of is the song so what's your opinion on this these covers do they are they too much for you do you do you like them at all there's always room for a good cover song uh, in music and the the boys will know from when we'd had the lockdown uh, like zoom pub quiz kind of things that I, my topic was music and i would i would get you to list i, I would give you the cover and i would ask you to do the who sang the original because something that really annoys me is when people think that the cover is the original um so but i i do appreciate a good cover and there's room for it I, we can go back to earlier on when we were talking about Wendy houston uh, i will always love you that's a fantastic cover. That is, and it and it is it does perfectly work for the film. So there is room for it, but I would always think that in terms of, and I'm talking about in terms of like a, a masterpiece of a of a film like your, uh, like your bodyguards, like a great Gatsby's where you need like a great song to go with it. I would always recommend going for an original. But um, yeah, there's certainly room for it. Jack, I'm I'm going to come at you here and I'm going to ask you to weigh <laughs> on this. But to do so, you're going to have to do the hardest thing I've ever asked you to do. I am asking you to forget about Shrek 2 is holding out for a hero. Just take it out of the oh, equation God. and tell me what you think of these song covers. Uh, I like them. I, I, aside from holding out for a hero, there's the, the way that this... Like, other song covers happen in that movie, so like uh, changes with David Bowie and uh, Butterfly Bosha. I think that's how you pronounce it. I prefer that to the actual original version, and the way that's used in the Oof. film is like near on perfect for for considering what's just happened in the movie. So I, I, I don't have it's much much the same same as what the boys were saying. I don't have any issue with it as long as like it, it serves the purpose and and it, it, it makes sense. I, I, I get like maybe folk probably will do it as like a, a cheap way of getting around stuff, but like if it, if it's good and it fits, I'm 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 alright with it. I'm happy. Well, just before we move on to the pitches, I'd like to give uh, I'd like to give you guys a chance and just um, you know just shout out whatever you'd like. But if you would like to name drop any honourable mentions, because you know there's there's overrated. Uh, there's underrated movie theme songs out there. There's so many to choose from, but were there any for you that just didn't make the cut, but you want to, you just want to give a shout out to? But it's just that I'll always love you. I've said it enough times. Bad's a banger. <laughs> also, I've mentioned Great Gatsby a few times, and that's because Lion's already young and beautiful, especially the orchestral version. Anything with an orchestra in it tends to tends to do well for me. I'd probably say uh, I've had the time of my life, and and. And Dirty oh. Dancing. Yeah, that's it. Over or underrated? I I wouldn't say either. There's there's much more along the kind of lines of like it like it, it missed a cut for me to be my pitch. Right. Okay. And and the intro I got as well for the power I love, but I, I feel that that might be kind of clouded because Back to the Future is just one of my favourite films. So I, I, I don't know if I can give a unbiased opinion on that. I think for me, one that kind of missed it, mostly because it's kind of difficult to talk about, be Jewel of the Fates from Star Wars. I think it is a bit iconic. Um mm-hmm. but it just it just doesn't quite have the, like when you're arguing best it's hard to 
argue a song is exclusive for a film or a franchise and doesn't have much commercial success. Although overrated for a licensed song, Everything Song by Led Zeppelin is being used way too much and it needs to stop. Oh, no, what's a banger for a, for a superhero movie as well, Reese, in one of the old Batman movies, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. <laughs> Baby! <laughs> Uh, I mean, great song. I mean, I, it's, the lyrics in that are absolute nonsense. There's, I don't I even don't know what that song's about. Saying. What is the grey? Keep it. <laughs> I don't know what's happened in that song, but I love it. It's you know. It's... Seal has intentionally never told what the lyrics was about. He's interviewed about it like last year. He's like, nah, I'm I'm not done it for twenty years. I'm not gonna do it now. No, because it doesn't mean anything. It's not, it's not intentionally <laughs> holding back information. There's no information to give. It's absolute nonsense. How did they? How did like artists come up with? Like the only one I really know about is um, "I Am the Walrus" by the Beatles. And John Lennon, he came up with that because he was tired of like the Beatles putting music out and then like English classes like analysing the lyrics and what the lyrics meant so he was like we're going to put out a song that doesn't make any sense at all and let's see them analyse that and they teach it in English class they analyse it like it's so I don't so even that's kind of out the window because you know English teachers have got so much time in their hands and they just want to do stuff like that but I can never understand how artists can just put out batshit lyrics that mean nothing apart from they can rhyme is that just it is it just that simple they rhyme well, welcome to the 2010s. <laughs> Every song ever released in the 2010s. Oh, anyway, that's... It either uh... has to have an A-B kind of rhyming scheme or um, this fake provocative language that it tries to symbol imagery, but it's really just nonsense. So those are the two criteria for a pop hit. And four chords for the last 20 Oh, years. yes. Four chords. ACDC. <laughs> anyway, with, uh, with that... Let's just uh, let's just move on to the pitches. <laughs> um, so, so yes. To, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> With that out of the way. That's what broke you. This entire yeah. episode. You know, I, was actually, I was actually going to I was going to make a point about immigrant song that Reese brought up, and I was like, no, let's just let's just move on. Um, because uh, fuck it, right? Evergood song, all right. I agree, it's overplayed, <laughs> but unfortunately, they can't really do much else with it because um, I'll immigrants. Uh, Reese is currently watching all the MTU movies, so I won't spoil it. But immigrant song is in an upcoming MCU song, Reese, and it's played twice. So the first is like the, the original version, and the second one they wanted to go for a completely orchestral version, which would have been amazing. But then, like Led Zeppelin, were like, nah, nobody, nobody tampers with that. Like, that's just not going to happen. Which I think is a shame. That is a, it is a sacred song, but I, I do think it would have been something. I do think it would have fit the film that it was in. But anyway, let's get on to the actual pitches. So help me God, kick off for Reese. <laughs> Thirty-five minutes. Thirty-five let's minutes. Go. Right. And Reese was the one that was asking me earlier on, by the way, how long should our pitches be? So that's that's not that's, really that's not a one and done pitch from Reese, trust me. I had to cut down ninety five percent of my pitch. How long is it five percent then? Uh, I tied myself doing it earlier, that's why I asked. So it was two minutes forty two seconds or something like that. Okay, Jack will time you and see see what the Oh, you know, okay. Right. <laughs> right. So I didn't know how to decide on what order you guys will go in until I had the bright idea of, because you've all sent me your songs and I know what one they are, 
to put you in the order of which the song's actually released in. Oh. So if you're last, well, sorry, you've only got yourself to blame. You know, you should have <laughs> picked another song, you know, next time. Ah, shit. <laughs> you know what? Try some Louis Armstrong or something next time. All right. So, first up, with the earliest song we have is Adam. Take it oh. away. Adam. Hello, everyone. Thanks for that lovely introduction, Stuart. I'm sad to say, folks, that I can't make it to the podcast this week. I'm currently in London, having a whale of a time. But I couldn't go without recording a message for the loyal listeners. If I was part of the episode, I'd be pitching that the greatest theme song in movies is Little Green Bag by the George Baker Collection, which is in Reservoir Dogs. One of the many great songs in Tarantino movies, which I know the guys will talk about. I hope you have a good show, guys. And I'll see you next time. We did well, well, it doesn't get my vote, he's not uh, here. Uh. <laughs> doesn't get my vote because it's Pesha anyway. So anyway. <laughs> right. Thank you. Right. Who's next? Okay. Next up with an actual pitch that he can actually present in person. It's Lewis. Lewis, I'm very excited to hear what so you've got. <laughs> so let's hear what have you got. There used to be a grey tower alone oh, on the sea. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so we don't get copyrighted strict, and also so you don't have to try and hear us hit the high notes. But my pitch for best theme song is, in fact, "Kiss from a Rose" by Sia. <laughs> so the Batman Forever Factory job as the love theme. <laughs> So here we go. <laughs> I actually could have pitched this. Yep. <laughs> okay, right, I'll, oh, I'll, God. Lois is one, then end the episode. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, here comes the serious pitch. Whew. Compose yourself, compose yourself. Whew. This song critically was received very well with comments such as Sealed with a Kiss, here you get a ballad and a half. It's got the right pathos and the unavoidable violins. The thorn needed to show its sincerity comes from the razor-sharp alt-sax. Another say in a complete yet melodic song, it has remained a radio staple since it was first released and is still ready to explode. People way smarter than me have analysed the song musically and sing its high praises, pun intended. As evidence from 20 seconds ago, no one can hear this song and not help themselves when that lyric, you become the dark side of me, and not give it everything they have to try and meet that vocal prowess that is Seal. Peaking at number one in the US, Australia, and featuring multiple top five and top tens globally over two years, this song is iconic. It was also nominated and won for the very thing we are discussing today, MTV Music Awards for the best song in 1996, as well as winning Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance at the 1996 Grammys. Critically speaking, the song is a marvellous as it is dramatic, a true ballad that success is allowed to be enjoyed by many, many years later. It's hard not to join in as soon as it plays and is no doubt a feature of playlists and karaoke for years to come, despite being released over 20 years ago. Not only that, it's attached to Batman Forever to help some. The Val Kilmer Batman with Jim Carrey playing the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, the film directed by Joel Schumacher, rest in peace. Made 52.8 million its open weekend, breaking Jurassic Park's record, which was then broken by Jurassic Park 2. 
totaling 336.53 million. This was the highest grossing film from 1995. Uh, continued to win a whole bunch of awards, which is ironic. Uh, Academy Awards, it was nominated for cinematography, sound, sound effects, editing, but unfortunately Braveheart came out that year and cleaned up the Oscars. It's also nominated for multiple Golden Globes, including Best Fantasy Film, Makeup, Special Effects, and Costume Design. Unfortunately, didn't win that, but Suicide Squad did. We'll never go over that. As truly mentioned, the film was nominated for six MTV Movie Awards, including Best Villain and Best Song. So say what you will about the film, some doubt it critically. However, to me, it's fun, enjoyable, and quirky. It's enjoyed a massive success. And on top of that, Seal displayed one of the best performances in music we have seen and was duly awarded for it. The best movie theme song in history is Kiss from a Rose by Seal from Batman Forever. I'm just going to open up the floor here. I'm very interested to hear what the guys have to say. I I am just sorry, Lewis, that I brought it up earlier on. <laughs> when you mentioned the song, I was like, oh no. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just sorry, right? It's, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's uh, for a lot, for a lot of what we were saying before your pitch of what we want in movie theme songs. I feel this isn't very much to do with what we were saying, but it's still iconic regardless. And it's, it, it is one of those films when you hear it, you associate to the Batman. So there is the rules and there is the exception, and Seal Kiss from the Rose is in fact the exception. Exactly, it's and it's, it's executed flawlessly. I love it, so my, my, my heart goes off to you. Appreciate your feedback there, buddy. Speechless. <laughs> I'm outraged. <laughs> I... No, you guys, people listen may not know this, but everyone, everyone on this panel, like their, their biggest passion is like films. So and that's what we talk about mostly. Except for me, my biggest passion is music. So for Lewis to come out and say that this is one of the best displays of music in the history of music is an absolute fucking disgrace. There's nothing short of blasphemy against music in general. And that pitch should just get fucked off. I'm so angry with that pitch. Outraged. <laughs> oh my god. Unfortunately, the 1996 Grammys would disagree with you, sir. I don't give a shit about the Grammys! <laughs> the Suicide Squad won an Oscar! Do you think awards mean anything? <laughs> Fucking. Oh my. Move on! <laughs> um... <laughs> okay, Lewis, that was a very good pitch. Um... You know, elicited reactions. That's that's all I'll say. So on to our next pitch and the next song to be released is Reese's. Ooh, Reese, the floor is yours. You you okay. yourself up. Let's let's keep that energy going. I try try calm myself down a bit first. My my song came out in 1997, so I'm curious if Jax has come out later than that. What it's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a promising start for Jack. Oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. <laughs> I might have to withdraw my vote at this point, but uh, anyway, okay. <clears throat> Get the timer ready, Jack. Right. Uh, hang on, hang on. Go, go, go. Right. Never in the history of music 
has a song so perfectly reflected the film it was written about, quite like James Horner and Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On for Titanic. And, you know, like I said, I'm in dangerous territory here. Uh, this pitch being too long, so I'm going to try and speed through it. The film's told from the point of view of Rose. And likewise, the song is told from her perspective. Like the film, the song starts positively and calmly through a beautiful flute intro. We then get into the opening line, Every Night in My Dreams. But before you focus on the lyric, you notice that the lyric is sung in a breathy, tentative, and almost nervous tone. And this continues throughout the whole first verse. In fact, the same can be said about the entirety of the first act of the film. Rose is, throughout the whole first act, nervous, she's anxious, she's shy. And that's a perfect mirroring of how the song's sung. We then get on to the hook. And at this point in the hook, we would be, in the, in the film's point of view, would be uh, where Jack and Rose finally meet. And Celine Dion sings this hook with a slightly less breathy voice, but her voice begins to shake. And this is the same nervous energy that Rose is displaying at this point in the film. She's nervous about meeting Jack, but she can feel something special coming, but she's not quite sure. And then we get into the second verse. And the second verse is the most important verse. And likewise, the second act of the film is the most important part, part of the film. This is kind of where Rose and Jack fall in love and they spend all their time together and they have, you know, the, the famous car sex scene and whatnot. Um, love can touch just one time and last for a lifetime. This line is true for the film as well. The film is a story being told by Rose 84 years after the event happened. And her love for Jack has clearly lasted her entire life. And she go, she furthers this when, it, when it's sung, love was when I loved you. Because for the 84 years that she's lived since then, never has she loved anyone else again. And that, that is perfectly put in the song and it matches of course the film once again and the song concludes with a grand crescendo probably you could argue one of the greatest crescendos of any lyric song of all time Celine Dion and everyone who listens to it shouts out belts out of the, from, right from their stomach you're here there's nothing I fear gone is any emotion or any notion sorry of nerves or anxiety Love has fully created a fully confident version of Rose. And due to that love, she feels there for Jack and Jack feels for her. She, she's got this new air of confidence about her. She can really express herself truly. And another example of a rising confidence is in the first chorus, she sings, I believe that the heart will go on. And by the final chorus, gone is that faith. And it doesn't need to believe. She knows... She sings a lyric, I know that my heart will go on. She's certain that her love for Jack uh, will, will last forever and she's more assured. The way that Celine Dion presents this song perfectly encapsulates how Rose is and is feeling throughout the entire film. No other movie theme song does this anywhere near as well. And for that reason, My Heart Will Go On is the perfect film theme song. Jack, how long was that? How, what was it? What was it? Two minutes 47? Is that what you said? Yeah, something like that. 
That was four minutes and one second. Oh, that's disgraceful. I'm so <laughs> oh, dear. That's the Olympics going on as well. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm not here. Someone had to do it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like how Reese was going to. He said about the iconic scene, and I thought he was talking about whether the front of the boat and he's like, nah, oh, really no, fuck no, the no. cast. The sexy. That's the most important. I'm glad someone picked up in there. That. <laughs> uh, that was a good pitch, you know. Uh, a lot of uh, diving into the lyrics, you know, unlike uh, uh, you know a, a little a little uh, grey somebody else. But uh, right. we're talking about costume design. Well, we've got we're past that pitch, Stuart. <laughs> anyway, uh, does anyone have any thoughts on Reese's four-minute pitch? No, it's a, 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 a good pitch, a, 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 a good choice, a, a, a song we've belted out in a nightclub in Belfast before. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's you know, a valid argument, well well presented. Thanks. Yeah, I don't really have much you know other to say than you know it's the it's the safest choice. It's uh. I mean, I uh, could some some call it vanilla, I guess. Yes, yeah. you know, <laughs> lacking in flavour, originality, very overrated. But you know, it's it's a good picture. I can see, see. <laughs> well we've only it's... got one more we've only got one more pitch left and I, I, can wrap this up. I am very interested to hear what Reese thinks about this <laughs> after his uh, filibuster, after his filibuster against poor Seal who I don't know if you know but uh, Seal had leprosy Reese. so I think you know Jack, it's on you. Close us out on your best movie theme song. So as I don't know, mine mine is the latest and it was uh, it was brought up in discussion before about covers that are specifically made for a movie and if they work they're great. And in two thousand and five one of the greatest covers ever for a movie came out for a film. And it's it's still so ever present in media today, particularly in in like TikTok and YouTube videos, Twitter, Facebook, and whatnot. And as for the Disney film Cars, it is Rascal Flatts' Life is a Highway. Yes! Oh yes! <laughs> Just don't even bother pitching. You've got the vote. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Uh, you know, sold a huge amount of digital sales for that song. It, it peaked seventh in the top 100 Billboard singles, just one below the original version from Tom Cochrane. It also did win the favourite song from a movie award, the 33rd People's Choice Awards. This this song was at the scene when Lightning McQueen had just won his, his race and they were going to travel to the final race in uh, wherever it was for the Piston Cup. And he's getting ready to chase down Dynaco and uh, he's, they're heading their way along the highway. And it can, uh, along that point, it tells multiple different stories of like his his life journey is to win the Piston Cup to be sponsored by Dynaco. And they're traveling along the highway to this. And also, it's not as if it's just the, the empty road around them. There's like just people just leaving the stadium. I say people, there's cars leaving the stadium. <laughs> And they're like, it's life. Life's a highway. Like everyone's life is a highway when you think about it. Life, life is like the road that you travel on, and it's one day it is here, the next day it is gone. 
and honestly, I, I can't think of a better. When it, whenever you hear that opening guitar riff, um, instantly puts a spell on my face. Instantly makes me think of the film. And there's not many films where the songs are able to do that for me. And that is why Rascal Flatts' "Life Is a Highway" is the best movie theme song of all time. Uh, Jack, I was ashamed my mic was muted because see when you went because life is a life is a highway. Life is, a, life is, a, life is if you came to that realization just now. <laughs> but yeah, uh huh, another great pitch. These I've loved these pitches. This is this is to be the best time of my life. Um, anyone else have any thoughts? I have I have a feeling Reese will have something to say. Well, first of all, I think it's absolutely disgraceful that um, it's going to come down to it and Jack's going to win this because to suggest that Life is a Highway is the best movie theme song of all time is outrageous. But you've got my vote, Jack. I mean, I fucking love this song. It's in, it's in my car. It's like my road trip road trip playlist, sorry. Um, and it also reminds me of the scene in The Office where they're, they're uh, moving uh, Michael's girlfriend away and they're, they're singing it in the car and even <laughs> Daryl singing and then, and then it gets awkward and sad and the song's still playing. It's on repeat. It's the only song. Oh, it's just an absolute... Mm, oh, creme de la creme. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't really have much else to offer. We can pretty much guarantee this is a win for Jack, just placed on odds on responses to pitches. So, solid picks, a great song, fits the movie, does everything you want it to do. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Excellent. And that's that. All our pitches have been, uh, yep, they're there. <laughs> so, if our panellists could just send me their votes on who they think gave the best pitch, we have Lewis with Kiss from a Rose from the film Batman Forever. Reese with My Heart Will Go On from Titanic, and Jack with Life is a Highway from Cars. Three songs that have never been placed one after another like this in the, in the history of music. I don't think it's very fair also for Jack to um, talk about uh, download data in terms of sales, seeing as how he's the only one picking a song from the 2000s. But anyway, <laughs> while we are waiting... It's not, it's not my fault they picked songs for the 90s. You know what I mean? It's quite a gap from Adam's pick as well. We've got like the 70s all the way up to in the 90s and then 2005. But uh, while we are waiting, I'd just like to remind uh, the two people still listening to follow us on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram at underscore the big picture, where you can send us ideas and vote in our fan polls, where you can decide which one out of the panel you thought gave the best pitch. I'm very looking forward to that poll. Uh, and with that, the votes are in. So, with coming in last place with zero votes, you know, they said his pitch was unsinkable, and then it sank. It was Reese, with my heart will go on with no votes. Sorry, Reese. You know, I, I think not enough talking about the sex scene in the car. That was, you know, if, if you're taking notes, that was that's where I think you went wrong. But uh, in second place, with one vote, the allure of the grey is too much. He gets that one curious vote. It is Lewis for one vote for Kiss from a Rose, which means our big picture champion this week with two votes. It is Jack Graham with Life is a Highway. Thank you, thank you. And all I have to say is get up, you David Campbell, because we spoke about this, uh, and he was not happy that I, I picked this and uh he replied to the Instagram story, and his his choice would would have been Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. Oh, oh. I meant to put that in my my. I was thinking, but that was that was I, I was between that and uh, my heart will go on. Um, yeah, because that's a great film. Armageddon, 
Oh. Honestly, like it's, it's, it's an absolute scam that I've won this today. It is. You're right. It's a scam. It is. This is. It's 100% should have been a kiss from my rose. But this is the only genuine answer to see that. <laughs> no, like, I, like as as it goes, like it's it's not as iconic as for like my heart will go on as in like I don't want to miss a thing. It's, it's I've absolutely finessed this, but you know what? A win's a win, and the big picture has decided that the best movie theme song ever in the history of life is Rascal Flatts' Life's a Highway. That is true. That is what has been decided here today. And I know what you're thinking. When the hell is Adam coming back? Well, fortunately, I don't even know when he'll be back, actually. I'm assuming he'll be back for the next one. What is the next one? The next one is... (laughs) I do this every (laughs) (laughs) episode. Jack, sing Rascal Flatts wants to get this off. Life's like the road you travel on. It's one day here and it's next, next day gone. gone. There we go. That's uh, that's all we needed. Happy so, that's all we needed. <laughs> so Adam better be here next time because he's hosting, and that will be the best Leonardo DiCaprio movie. So this oh, might go two for Titanic. two with Titanic here. <laughs> but uh, yes, Adam is hosting that, so he better be here. Um, Otherwise, otherwise, questions. We'll just think of the questions as I head and say the answer. That's it. But yeah, so uh, Jack, you are a winner. Thank you for coming at us with uh, with that and for deciding for all the ten. David Campbell, if you're listening, all right, you really, you really put your schedule mucked up. Don't know why you were in Fantastic Four. You should have been here. <laughs> you you had a say in this, but you didn't want it. So there you go. Calling you out, Mr. David Campbell. He's never coming back. He's never coming back. Not after this decision. But uh, thanks, Jack, our new big picture champion. No, no, no. Thank, thank you, and and thank you, Lewis, and thank you, Reese. You've 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 made this a uh, a very a very important one today. Lewis, yes, you you did create this as well. I can't give Reese all the credit. <laughs> it was your vote as well. But commiserations, a hard fought second place. Thank you for joining us. It's all right. Seal has always been criminally underappreciated, but uh, I'm glad to be an advocate for um, recognition of what a fantastic song that really is and how it's better than Celine Dion, considering Celine Dion's best theme song is actually Ashes from Deadpool 2. Oh, now he's got you there, Reese. <laughs> you know, commiserations again. Thank you. Your performance has been nothing short of stellar. If Suicide Squad can win an Oscar, you most definitely can also win one for that monologue yeah i mean your hosting could win an, o- an oscar if and if 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 suicide squad can win an oscar then i'm sure seal could win an oscar so. <laughs> <laughs> one can only hope and thank you audience for listening to this absolute trash heap of an episode but you know what we had fun and i you know what i don't think the leo episode's gonna cut it but you'll be there because adam will be back Thank you for listening. Tune in next time.